Hey, I'm Kirsten, and I am one of the associate directors here on staff. And so it is a gift to be here with you guys. Um, okay, so I don't know what you guys did on this long weekend, but one of the things I got to do, I'm going to move up here, um, was go to the Chattanooga Football Club soccer game. I don't know if any of you guys have been, but they are so fun. Please come with me anytime. Um, so at the end of this game, there were fireworks. And um, my whole family went up into the stands, and I was actually sitting with Jason's family, and his wife and I were literally dying laughing at my kids and how stereotypical, like, birth order they were. So, Caleb, you can pop that picture up there. Um, mine's that, so that little boy right there, that's Jax, and he's five, and he's the firstborn. And so there he is, hands on his ears, just, like, looking up. The one next to him, this one, this is my three-and-a-half-year-old London 100% middle child. At first, though, with the fireworks going, she's like, fist pumping, black, more, more, more. And then she sees her brother there with, like, hands on. She's like, okay, I wonder what that means. So she puts her hands on her ears, and she's like, oh, this is not loud. And so she begins to, like, whack her face, which you can see her mid, like, doing that to, like, let's get it louder. Um, and then my baby was like, hold me, you know, like, I'm afraid. Um, so just, I know. Um, so much birth order. Um, but while I'm watching this whole scene happen, and obviously thinking about this sermon, I was just amazed by how there is something that can both elicit fear in one kid and absolute joy in another. That there's something that we could look at in amazement, but also be a little nervous about. There was something that was giant and huge, but we all kind of felt connected. And obviously, like, I'm thinking about this sermon, I'm like, this, this is holiness. This is what that is like, where it is something that you want to sit under. It is above you. You want to be as close to it as possible, but ooh, what if I get too close? So this is what we're talking about tonight, God's holiness. So I guess we can name the sermon Fireworks if we want to. Because keep that image in your head. So the line that we are in, we're talking about the Lord's Prayer, is hallowed be thy name. So let's pray and we'll dive in. Father God, um, hallowed be your name. Would we be aware of your presence tonight? Would you teach us and transform us? We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so the word hallowed, you know, we're using it this time of year with Halloween, but that's about it. Um, it does mean holy, like I alluded to. It also is this meaning, it means like significance or weight. When you hear about God's glory, God's glory is like the public view of his holiness. It's weightiness. And then the literal definition of holy means to be set apart. And it is, it is to be set apart for something, not just like there, but also not just like a passive, okay, it's set apart for like a few holidays, we'll bring it out. No, this holiness is like a set apart, like, like radioactive, like, like fireworks, like powerful. Or like where, you, where people have to like put on a hazmat suit to like get something that's like set apart over there because it's so powerful that you have to be careful around it. And the idea of this like set apart like 
what are we going to wear around it is actually a common thing that's talked about in the Old Testament, pre-Jesus. There's even a place in the temple called the Holy of Holies, and God's presence would come and dwell there. And the only time, there's like all these instructions about when somebody could go into this place, when they could be in the presence of his holiness. They had to go at a certain time, they had to wear a certain thing, they had to bathe in a certain way, do a certain sacrifice. So this idea of God being set apart is very common in our scriptures. And so the, the ask that we have is, hallowed be thy name, his name. And when we talk about that, he's not just talking about like, make sure that my name is written right, or like my actual name. It's talking about God, all of who he is. That his whole character and that him would be hallowed, would be seen as holy. Another way we can think about it is just like this ultimate value. God, would your name be of ultimate value? Would it be the weightiest thing? God, would you make your name heavier in the eyes of the world? So how does this work? What are we, what are we asking is done? Are we asking that God would make himself more holy? No, he already, he already is that. Are we asking that we, like, hey, can I make your name holy? No, God does that. What we're asking for is that his name would be known as holy, that we would know it accurately, that the world would hallow his name, that we would know that to be absolutely true. And as we do this, what we're asking for is that we and the world would be changed, transformed by his holiness. So in this sermon, or in this sermon, in this prayer, Jesus begins by saying, our Father. We talked about that last week. And then this is the very first thing he tells us to ask. Hallowed be your name. And it's put at the very beginning on purpose. The way that we see God, the way that we relate to him, the way that we see him, what are his character traits, that affects everything in us. It affects, yes, how we relate to God, how we relate to each other. It affects how we see the world. It affects what we pray for. And it actually affects our physical and our mental health. So God, or Jesus, beginning this prayer by saying, okay, you have a relationship with him as a father. And he's also to be set apart. He's also holy and big and powerful. Hold both of those things in your hands as you begin to pray because as we do that, everything will come from there. We begin to desire the things that he desires. We begin to see the world as he sees it. So we must begin by knowing who God is and how we are in relationship with him. So we start it off there. And I think, I think having like, okay, God is this intimate, gentle father, and he also is this big, powerful, holy God, like that's kind of hard to like hold together. And I don't know which tradition you guys come from, and different traditions champion different parts 
different views of God. Kind of an insider tip, you can tell a lot about the way a church views, like their view of God, literally by their actual physical building. So you'll see these like giant cathedrals with these beautiful untouchable paintings on the ceiling. And oftentimes those traditions celebrate the holiness of God, the grandeur of God. And then you'll go to another tradition and they'll be housed in a small church, low ceilings, people close together. And oftentimes there they are celebrating the work of the Holy Spirit, his intimate work among us. And Jesus is saying, here we pray to a God that is both, both big and with us. And for you, you may like lean on one side or the other, being like, oh, it's so much easier for me to to grasp this God that is with me. Small, here. Or you may lean on the opposite end. Like, do you view God as, like, as you might with your parents? You know they love you dearly. But maybe when they offer you advice or tell you to do something, you might not do it because you value your opinion and your thoughts over theirs. Or maybe it's kind of like, <laughs> like if there's like a firefighter that ran in here and was like, guys, the church is on fire. Get out of here. Like, I think we all would get out of here. Um, where we're going to listen to what he's having to say, not because we know he loves us. And this picture is a little bit tricky because I think firefighters probably really do love people a lot. Um, but you're not listening to him because of that. You're listening to him literally because that is his job and you respect his job and what he is saying. And we get to pray to a God who is both like our parent who loves us and like this firefighter who we respect. I want to read to you guys a little bit of an article I was reading that helped me really kind of grasp the importance of being able to hold both of these pictures of God together. You can put that up there, um, Caleb. Now, most people either can't or won't do this. We choose a gentle, intimate God who's always there to listen, but balk at his transcendence and majesty. And he so and so he becomes our therapist. But that kind of relationship is marked by affection without respect. And when we don't respect God, we feel free to reject his commands the way we feel free to reject the advice of our therapists. And we so often do. Others of us choose the transcendence of God. We choose the all-powerful, almighty, sovereign God. We smirk at those who talk about God as a lover, dismissing them as soft, emotional, theological lightweights. We admire God from afar, and we do not, cannot, experience intimacy with God because in our heart of hearts we fear him, and fear eventually turns to resentment. Mature Christian prayer is having the boldness to walk into the temple of the sovereign God as if you were walking into your parents' living room. It's having the respect to know you shouldn't lead with a whiny wish list, and yet having the level of comfort 
you know it's perfectly appropriate for you to begin with good morning dad how could anyone have this sort of audacity and intimacy when we take god our father combine it with him as a powerful king we get to be praying intimately and reverently we get to be having the confidence to walk into his throne room and then be moved to our knees out of respect for him. And this is a strange relationship. It's hard to grasp, which makes me so thankful that Jesus came, that he was able to embody what it looks like to be this all-powerful God and human, to be all-knowing and know us. To be someone who defeated death, yet was a, someone who sacrificed. That he could help us understand what it looks like to pray to God as Father and pray that God's name would be hallowed. So, what does this look like for us tangibly when we pray? God, hallowed be thy name. What does that look like in our lives when that is fulfilled, when that comes to fruition? What does that look like in the world? I want to argue that it looks like an awareness of God's presence that then transforms us. So that Isaiah passage that Emily read for us, we see Isaiah become aware of God's presence. And when he is aware of his presence, he's aware of his holiness. And when he's aware of it, he quickly repents. He realizes his own issues in light of God's holiness. And then God forgives him. And he's transformed and says, send me out. And I believe this happens with us as well. So, it begins with awareness. When I was in college, I spent two summers in the Dominican Republic on mission trips. And both summers, I lived with a family. And they respected the word of God above everything else. Like, they knew how to demonstrate the holiness of God. They were like they had a certain place on their table for the Bible. The Bible should not go on the floor. Like that would have been terrible. And that was hard for me coming from a tradition where it was like I actually meant to bring my Bible. That like write in it, like throw it in your backpack, bring it everywhere. And I was, it was just different for me. And what I learned was that what they were doing was saying God is not ordinary. He's not casual. We should not treat him as such. And then I began to learn that God is not ordinary or casual, but he sure does know how to make the ordinary and casual holy. In Scripture, from the get-go, we, we learn about holiness. But the first time that God talks about it is in the book of Exodus. Exodus 3. And there Moses, this old guy, not Janie, but actually old, um, is walking around and he sees this bush and it's on fire. It's an ordinary bush in an ordinary desert. 
but the bush is not being consumed by the fire. So Moses becomes aware of it, goes up to it, and from the bush, the voice of God says, Moses, take off your sandals. It is holy ground. Moses became aware of a very ordinary situation that was holy because of the presence of God. How often do we miss God because we're not aware? How often do we miss him in very normal situations and he, his presence is there, his holiness is there, and we are just not looking? Or how many of you have had that experience? Where you're doing something totally average, totally normal, and then all of a sudden you are stopped in your tracks like, oh my word, God is here. This is a holy moment. I had that a lot this summer. So previous summer to this, I spent three months in the hospital with my daughter. And it wasn't until the second month that we learned that, like, I could take her outside. And so we were allowed to go outside for this, for one of these months, for 15 minutes each day. And I took advantage of those 15 minutes every day. And those, that time was wonderful. Like, the breeze on our face, like the sun in our eyes, being able to see the hospital from the outside in as opposed to the inside out, it was amazing. And I was aware that God was present there. But really where I experienced this awareness and this holiness was this summer. I'd take my kids to a very ordinary park that needed a lot of very ordinary, uh, what is it called, the spray stuff that makes things stop squeaking. WD-40. Yes, this park needs so much WD-40. But I would just be pushing Lucy in the swings and Jax and London would be running around and I would just be like, oh oh my goodness, like, God, you are here. This was a moment I had longed so deeply for the summer before, and it made me so aware of what was happening in that moment. That God was there. His holiness was there. And then that transformed me, that moved me into gratitude, that moved me into worship. When we look around, we will become aware of God's holy presence all around us. And also when we are aware, we become aware of where we have devalued God or put things up above him. We see the things that we've made more significant than him, where we've feared other people, maybe our bosses or our teachers or the people in our room more than him. Maybe we've put other things. We recognize, I've put TikTok, I've put my boyfriend as more significant than God. We become aware where we maybe have not valued him, given him that weight. And we become aware of ways that we have portrayed him poorly to the world, to others, where we have told people that we are Christians, but when we look for advice, we don't even look to him. So why would they see him as holy and set apart if we're not even going to this all-knowing God when we need it or anytime? 
and also how we just talk about him. We, uh, we were listening to the David Crowder band song, Oh My God, and <laughs> Jax was like, that's a bad word. We're like, okay. Um, we began to talk to him about what happens when we can say the word, oh my God, in reverence, in excitement, when we are crying out to God that that is okay. But when we use it as an insult, when we use it to spit on something in our own anger, what is that doing for the people around us? It's diluting this truth about who he is. We're not making him less, we're just showing it off poorly. We're tearing that down. And I think a lot of reason why we do this is because we are trying to be gods ourselves. We are trying to have this value and this significance where, I'm going to tell you this, God is more valuable than you, but guess what? He's the one that gives you value. He's the one that gives you significance. So why are we tearing him down? He wants to give this all to you. So we become aware of God's holy presence, and it changes us. We begin, like I said, to desire the things that he desires because we see how he holds it. We see how he does life. We begin to pray for new things. We begin to enter into new relationships. We become grateful. Because as we become aware of God's holy presence, we are transformed. Just like Isaiah, he saw God's holiness, he has repented. Oh my goodness, he saw where his values were offered. He was like, I was trying, but God, you are so much greater. And then God forgave him. And he had a new heart, a new life, and he said, send me out. Transformation happened. And that is similar to what happens to us a lot, that we, when we see God's presence, we are moved to repentance and forgiveness. We are changed. And oftentimes we are transformed into people that are more courageous and confident. We're more courageous and confident because we believe that God actually can hold the world, and that he does. We believe that he is powerful, so powerful that he can create the world with a word. So surely then, he can walk with me in my relationship with my parents. We have this courage and this confidence because we see this God that can handle calming a storm so he can surely handle all of our hardest things as well as the things we ate for lunch. We become people who are more courageous and confident because he is now set apart in this role of God. Just like we see a firefighter being like, okay, I'm going to trust what you're saying about this, we begin to actually trust what he's saying. And so, gosh, that anxiety that we have eases. And that anxiety we have eases as well because he is now ultimately the thing we value the most, 
and he can never be taken away. And we are transformed, like I was on the swing set, into people that are grateful, into people that worship and praise God. C.S. Lewis, an author, says that our delight is incomplete until we praise it. So it was like London after the fireworks, where she was like, best fireworks ever! They were not the best fireworks ever. But she wanted to praise it because she was delighting in it, because she was aware of how great it was. And so we, when we are aware of God's presence, we praise it. We are transformed into people that are courageous and confident, grateful, and praise God when we are aware of his holy presence. And thank goodness, you guys, that Jesus, like I said, has come to be able to show us what this looks like to see this, to see his name hallowed, made holy, as well as him as Father, to see him as big and small, all-knowing and knowing us, a conqueror and one who sacrifices He came to show us what this looks like. To give us value and significance. So we can pray to our Father, hallowed be your name. Would you be set apart? And I think, you guys, that maybe he also, Jesus also put this line in here to have us long, like long for God's holiness. And we're praying for it, we're looking for it, we're longing for it, and when we long for something, we are more aware of it. We're looking for it everywhere. When you guys can believe that God is your Father, Who can you fear? And when you believe that God's name is hallowed above everything else, what a value can be taken from you? No one and nothing. So with that truth, in your mind, in your lips, in your heart, you can have the confidence to go live life as a true child of God. It's with this confidence and with this relationship that we will continue to pray. Let's pray. Father God, would we be aware of your holy presence and would we be transformed by it? Would the world be aware of your holy presence and be transformed by it? Hallowed be your name in all the world and in our hearts. Amen.